morning, good morning, good morning. It's a song I sing to my kids. It normally finishes, it's time to rise and shine. Um, but I, I'm not going to sing to you this morning. I'll spare you all of that. I don't know what my favorite sound is. I'm not sure if it's the sound of God's people lifting their voice in praise or if it's the sound of what just happened. I look forward to both every week. But I can tell you, this week, standing there, I could feel it. And, you know, we pray and we ask God all the time, like, we want to feel it. And it's sometimes that prayer seems so almost unattainable. And today I got to feel it. So I know I'm not the only one in the room that, that felt God settle in here. And so I'm just kind of excited to see what the rest of today is going to look like. Um, this whole month, we have had the privilege and honor of hearing from our staff members and our leaders. We have talked about our four core values. So there's four of them. There is unconditional love. It's a quiz. Pastor Kyle quizzes us sometimes too. It's unconditional love, authentic community, selfless service, and divine vision. So these core values are what we are building our church on. Each one is directly rooted and grounded in, in Scripture. They're not things that, that Pastor Kyle and a, and a team dreamed up several years ago. These are things that God has given the church, the entire church, us, and the church next door to follow. And so these are the ones that we choose to embody and these are the ones that we want to walk out. So the first week, Jackie, Christina, and Mark walked through unconditional love with us. They talked about how even in the, the darkest moments of our life, God was loving us and bringing us and leading us to complete redemption. Unconditional love is something that we can pursue and we should pursue as Christians, but it's also something that we are pursued by daily. And I, I just loved that, so thank you guys for sharing your heart community, authentic community. I couldn't have picked a better person to talk about that than Lee. He is great at crowds. He's great at people. Peopleing is what I call it most of the time. And so I loved hearing you share your heart on, on the way that we view community. And um, I love you, but all four of your points are skipping my mental capacity at the moment. So I know this. They're deeply rooted in love. And we're constantly working towards pursuing God in them. Love you, Lee. Thank you for the grace. And then David, our student director, talked to us last week about selfless service. And I'm going to be really honest with you today in everything I share. That one kind of hurt. Kind of hurt. I'm an all-in type of girl. I serve until I'm just so tired that I pass out. And there's some days that happen that I just want someone to notice it. It's not about me. And so thank you, for, thank you for boldly speaking the truth to us because that's not something that I ever want to do. Every ounce of work I put in, I want God to get the glory from. So thank you for following the heart of God. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for being who God called you to be. And um, Pastor Kyle, thank you for trusting us with this stage. So today, we get to talk about divine vision. Divine vision is something that back in the day, I firmly believed was, was and only was. Visions that prophets had. I was wrong. I was very wrong. And I'm going to tell you how I learned about vision. It was through my son. I have his permission to talk about him, and it's not super personal. But um, our, our Brian has always been the life of the party. And he's brilliant beyond his years. His mind is really sharp. 
and he can, he can just wow you beyond what you think is, is humanly possible. He's also really good at faking. So, was around five when, no, he was six when he went to school because he has a late birthday. And so I start getting um, notes from his teacher. Brian is not paying attention in class. And so I moved him to the front of the class. Brian is disturbing the class. So I, so I moved him closer to my, to my desk. Brian was not listening today, but I figured out a trick. All I had to do was walk over to him and just put my hand on his desk and tap him. I was like, ironic, that's what I do to his head. <laughs> Works every time. It took about a year of school for someone to realize he is not a disruption in class. He is a good kid. He is the life of the party. He couldn't see. And so when you can't see clearly, you do what is left to your own devices, and that is you just mess around in the space that you can see. And so he gave up on what he couldn't see, and he chose to see what was right in front of him. That was his pens, his pencils, his neighbor's hair, backpacks. He's a good kid. So we took him to the doctor. And this is not... This is not something that, like, you know, we stand on our, our soapbox of parenting and celebrate and enjoy, thank you, completely to tell. But we took him to the doctor a year after school started. So we walk in there like good little parents, and we're like, we think he can see. Um, but he's kind of goofing off, and, and a test told us that he couldn't, see, he couldn't see far away. So, you know, what do you think? So the doctor begins his examination, for a child that looks a little bit different than it does an older kid, especially one that's trying to not do what he's supposed to in class. And so the doctor tries different lenses and he tries different approaches to getting to see what Brian could see. As it stood, he definitely knew his alphabet and he definitely could read right here. He, could, he couldn't see at all, at all. So until the day that Brian got his glasses, he had no sight. He had blurry sight, he had jaded sight, he had weird ideas of what was, but it wasn't until he could see through a lens that everything started to change. So the moment he walked out of the optometrist's office, he's like, whoa, whoa, and he's like jumping back when things are close, and you're like, no, dude, you're fine, like it's just a car. You know, we hear it, right? There's leaves on the trees, like all these things that our, our vision, our sight shifts when we can see through a different lens. So this is what we're going to talk about today is, is what we see versus what is, all right? So what is divine vision? It's what we see. It is also the way we see. It is not found only in our sight. It is not found in the way we view something it's, it's found in the filter that we see it through. So I want to read um, a scripture to you in production. I'm going to rely on you heavy for this. All of them after this verse. Um, in Philippians 1.6, he says, Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. And in Matthew... 6, 22 through 23, he tells us the eye is a lamp of the body. 
And if your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. And if then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? So we're walking around with either this immeasurable light of truth or immeasurable amounts of darkness. I'm not saying a heart is fully light or a heart is fully dark. Please don't hear that. I'm saying the way we view the way we view things. So when we are pursuing a mindset of viewing things the way God does, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back to glasses again. I promise not to talk about glasses the whole time. If my glasses are scratchy, which they happen to be, um, everything looks scratchy. As a matter of fact, everything looks scratchy right now because that light is catching my lens scratches, and it's just, it's just deflecting everywhere. All right? If anyone who has glasses knows this, if you're inside and you walk outside, you're in a really cool car, and then you get outside. And what happens? You're just, you can't see a thing. And so you're just kind of like, you're taking control of the situation, right? Like, I'm going to see what I can see because I can't see through this. And, um, you know, sometimes we've had the wrong prescriptions too. I've done that. Thought I could see clearly when I was in there, and I'm like, this isn't right. So... This is what I'll tell you, is when, when it's scratchy, when my lens is scratchy, you're, you're kind of scratchy. When my lens is foggy, you're kind of foggy. My situation is kind of foggy. And I, I do the only thing I know to do, and I'm like, well, those aren't any good. So, like, I'm just going to do this on my own. And so, it's fine. It's fine as long as I'm walking. When it's not fine is when I'm behind the wheel of the car. Because front row, I could tell you who you were. But that's about it. I couldn't tell you if you're smiling at me. I couldn't tell you if you're winking at me. I couldn't tell you if you're trying to send me a message. It's lost on me, okay? This happens every time we put down God's word and we decide to do life on our own because we are not capable of seeing things the way God sees them without his guidance. Divine vision is constant pursuit of a Christ-like perspective. It's being willing to keep the lenses on when they're foggy, It's being willing to keep them on when they're scratchy and light is bouncing everywhere because I love faces. I'm going to try my best to see it through the scratch. And that's exactly what we do when we pursue a constant Christ-like perspective. I refuse to look at you and see what I think because what I think is generally wrong. It's generally wrong. I can't begin to know what God is shaping in your heart. I can't begin to know the path that you came from. And I cannot pretend to know where you're going. So how is, how is divine vision received? So divine vision is received in God's word. And we are told that the word of God is a lamp unto our feet and a light into our path. I'm going to give you a kid's director talk right now. If I was in kids, I would have cued the lights to go down and there would be one flashlight in their room and it would have erupted in loud screaming and I would have terrified your children for a week of the dark. But we're not in kids. So, if I'm surrounded in darkness, I'm completely engulfed in darkness and all I have is a light, some, some people will do other things with the light first, right? They might want to see who's beside them and who's around them. Most people will take a flashlight and shine it directly on their feet because they want to see like what's around me like it's me living in Florida is there possibly a roach in this bathroom at 2 (laughs) a.m. there could be 
Like, I'm not, I'm not going to find out the hard way. So I'm going to turn that light on, even if it's bright, because I want to know what I'm stepping into, right? So this, the word is a lamp for my feet. God's word is that flashlight. It illuminates right here, depending on the size of your flashlight. It's going to show me where I'm at. It's going to show me where my feet are grounded. And then when I point the flashlight out to take the next step, it's going to guide me in that, right? As long as I'm willing to keep picking it up, it's going gonna, it's gonna to keep guiding me. It's guiding me. I'm not guiding me. I'm not choosing my direction, and I'm not choosing my path. Later, I'm going to tell you a really personal story about what happens when you do that. I'm going to trust you all with that. When we receive divine vision, we're allowing God to adjust our vision. So how do we activate it? We activate divine vision when we release control. Now, we talk about this a lot, right? (laughs) You're a controlling person. You're like, yes, thank you. Thank you. God is working out. Trust me. If you don't believe me, I could sit with you over coffee and show you my journal. Like, I know that there are things that I struggle with. Ironically, every personality type does. Every personality type runs into that wall of control. We all want to blame type A's, but it's there. Y'all are just quiet and say you don't talk about it. No one knows. But you're quietly controlling. I'm going to stop. Anyway, we relinquish control or we release control when we relinquish our sight. So when I give up the right to see, the God-given gift, when I give up that right to see physically what I'm looking at around me, the people, the environment, the roach in the bathroom at 2 a.m., I'm trusting God. I'm trusting God with everything that is inside of me. It is complete surrender. That's how it's activated. And when we lose our sight, we gain vision. It's not, it's not a thing that God gives something to you that's good, and then he just snatches it away because he doesn't want you to see. He takes, he takes what is from us that is, is human and flawed because of sin, and he turns it into something way more beautiful. So I, I have chill bumps because I'm going to, I can't wait. I'm just going to keep talking because I'm going to tell you something super exciting at the end and you're going to understand why I'm passionate about this. So what do we do with divine vision? There's a lot of people that do a lot of things with divine vision. So I love you all and this is not for anyone in the room. This is for me. A lot of times when I feel like I have vision, I just, like a bull in a china shop, right through it. I don't, I do, in my heart, deep in my heart, I care. I care what's around me. Unfortunately, there's this part of me that just, just the bull in the china shop, just, that's the vision I'm running with. I don't care what you think. I don't care who's around you. I don't care what it is. That's what I'm doing. And um, has God ever been working that out? 2019. <laughs> I prayed a prayer at the beginning of 2019 that I don't think I'll pray for another five years. I think I'm good. I think I'll wait on that one. Um, and that's my first point. Wait. What do you do when you have divine vision? Wait. Be still. He doesn't waste his time in scripture saying, be still and know that I am God for nothing. Wait. Because what happens when you wait is this. You come into church on Sunday morning And every song they sing speaks to your need, speaks to the things that are in your notes. Every time you wait, God's already done the work. If you're a bull in a china shop, things are going to get broken. Take it from someone who knows. Learn it from someone who's done it. Don't do it. So wait. Prayerfully wait. If you feel it, pray over it. 
I guarantee you if it's a God thing, it's going to take place. And honestly, a lot of the things that I love and a lot of the visions that I have and a lot of the things I pursue, God has better plans. And there's such good plans that I laid out. I'm such a brilliant person. It's a God gift, right? Like I am. It's not always me that needs to do it. Someone else needs to grow in that and I need to grow in the waiting. So wait for it. Keep it close. Write it down. Get a journal. Now, this is the part where I said, I love you. I really love you. Facebook is not where you write it. I'm sorry, but if you are having your devotions at 5 a.m. and God drops fire on your head and you rush to Facebook, what, what happened with the fire? Where'd the fire go? Did it get lost in the likes and the shares? Or did it soak deep inside of you to the point that you can't shake it? You know it. Nothing is stopping you. And I'm not talking bull in a china shop. I'm talking, I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. That's where I'm headed. This, I'm not saying you can't share things on Facebook. I'm saying, don't do it until God releases you. Don't do it until it's yours. And don't you dare do it until you walk it out. If you're going to put on Facebook all those things, then we as a church, we as God's people, us and the church next door, need to be able to walk in and talk it because they're looking at us. And if we're posting all these really great things on Instagram and our stories and our things and we don't walk it out, where is it at? Where is it? Shout out to Pastor Kyle and Taryn. They love Instagram and I love them for it. I don't know if you love it. Is that wrong to say? They like it, but they use it. And this is something that I've seen. What he posts on Instagram, what she posts on Instagram never disagrees with what I see, ever. And I know that that's not because they're really good at faking that they can see or really good at doing things a certain way or they've had a lot of practice because they've been Christians for a long time. That is because what they know and what they share is deeply rooted, is deeply found in who God is and what God's called them to do. So go ahead, wait for it, write it down, post it if you want, walk it out. If you're going to post it, definitely walk it out. And my, one of my favorites is cast it. Cast that vision. God gives you vision, cast it. Cast it in your circle, but cast it at home. If God gives you something that's burning in your heart, take it to your family. Take it to your kids the next time. I guarantee you, if God's giving you a word at 5 o'clock in the morning, your child's going to wake up at 7 o'clock and give you a chance to use it. Don't think I'm joking. Wait till you have kids. Cast it and walk it out in front of them, even if they're not walking it out in front of you because we didn't learn overnight. And how many times do we mess up? So, this is my favorite. This is my favorite part. I told Kyle earlier in the week, I love storytelling. It's my favorite. If I could pull up a chair and I could just talk to you and just talk and talk and talk, I would. Um, but I don't want to say anything that I don't need to say. And so I've narrowed it down to three things. And these are the three things that Divine Vision does for us. It reroutes our direction. It reroutes my direction and it reroutes your direction. When we're, when we're walking in our own, when we're walking in our own steps and we're deciding where we're going and we know like I have this call on my life. We all, by the way, have calls on our life. We are all called to be like Christ and we are all called to love. What that looks like for everyone in the room is going to be completely different. Um, but as we walk these things out, we're, we're very human, and we make a lot of choices. And so many times these choices 
lead us down paths that, that maybe God didn't set out in the beginning for us. But don't be alarmed. Your detour does not surprise him. Earlier, okay, you know what? Earlier is not true. Years ago, when I was about five years old, I loved all things doll babies. Like, give me a doll baby or give me a hundred. I don't care. I can care for them. Every one of them. They will have their bottles. They will be diapered. They will be fed. And I will be the exhausted five-year-old mom at night who's pretended to clean the imaginary house all day. When I was five years old, God called me to be a mama. And I'm a fierce mama. But what happened is, that path that he set out for me, I started to take my own way. Um, I've been married for 10 years, and I have a 14, almost 15-year-old. God allowed that detour. It wasn't ideal. It wasn't within what I thought would happen. I had a life plan. I was going to have babies at 30 and then continue on from there. God allowed that detour. And every day I watch that detour wake up with gifts. And I watch that detour love on the world around him. And I'm amazed at the way God has shaped my life through that, allowing that detour. I fought for the right to direct my own path. Like I fought for it. Like tooth and nail fought for it. Um, so I had Baba. He's perfect and he's everything. But there's still that mama heart that existed. And I wanted it. I wanted it bad. I wanted the husband. I wanted all the kids. I wanted that life. And I made all the wrong choices to get there. And so um, God just kept redeeming my paths, even when I wasn't chasing him completely. So he gave us, he gave us our son, Gavin. And um, that night, oh, the last night that I held him in my womb, God, I know you're good, and I know you do all things well. All the things that you do, you do for a purpose. You, you have a purpose for my life, and so I love you and thank you for this child. I promise I'll serve you all the days of my life. And then I delivered him, and he was born still. And about a month later, I think I forgot that night that I sat there and I said, God, all the days of my life, I'll follow you. I forgot that I said, no matter what comes my way, I'll chase you. Whatever path you choose for me, whether it's, it's, it's death or life, I choose you. I forgot that. And so I took my own detour that led to nothing but destruction. And it always does. It always does. Something, something will be ruined. Something will be destroyed. And then God in his redeeming love sought, it's like he sought me out. He pursued me with unconditional love, found me in my darkest, most ugly moments that I would really, I think, still to this day, I'm still honestly found in a little bit of shame over it. And I have to pursue God daily over it because I don't want to walk in shame. He saw fit to give us a miracle. He saw fit to heal my body. And today, listening to that song, I am healed. I am whole. Those words, like I could crumble under the weight. I am healed. I am physically healed. I am spiritually healed and I am whole. Shame on me for not always walking like it, but I'm whole. It's who God says I am and I'm going to try my dead level best to line up to that. So no, if you try to choose your own path, there's grace, there is love, there is mercy. It may not be easy and it won't be pretty, but God is always faithful to reroute our direction. And in the rerouting, be prepared for some bumpy roads. 
Like, I told you that I'm a bull in a china shop, okay? Bulls in china shops break things. I've never seen one. I've watched Ferdinand, and I know it's a thing. But right there, in the midst of, of all of that brokenness, we look at, we stand there in the middle of it, and we look at the china shop, and we're like, God, I've broken it all. I sat in my room yesterday and cried my eyes out when I opened God's word to go to a particular chapter and a highlighted version from 2017 popped up and I'm like, oh, ouch. And I sent it to my husband. I, was, that's what I, did. I think that's what I said, right? Ouch, ouch. If we're not willing to allow God to do that in our spirit, divine vision is not a thing for you. I know that sounds awful and rude. It's not. We find divine vision when we walk with the Spirit, when we walk in His truth, and we walk in who He's called us to be, not who we want to be. And it will refine your character in ways you don't want to be refined, in ways you're not willing to admit need refined. It will refine you. And when it does, when it does, there's no amount of shame, and there's no amount of regret. And there's no amount of, of accusation or anything that the, the devil wants to like throw up in your path. There's nothing that's going to stop you. There's nothing on Facebook that's going to distract you. And there's nothing that when you go into the grocery store is really going to tick you off that much. Because your vision is laser focused on who God says you are and what God has called you to do. And you're not willing to learn those lessons again. At least, I mean, I'm not. Some of them have been really brutal. Um, and in it, I really hope one day that I make it all the way to the end and I can stand in the presence of my Savior and know that all the refining wasn't lost. It wasn't lost because the character that I hard, like, core chased after, that, that reckless, frantic pursuit for a Savior, all will pay off in the end. Like, that's, that's my end game. That's where I want to be. Divine vision surpasses our timelines. Who all sets goals in here? You can raise your hands. No one's going to judge you if your hand's not up. Okay. Goals are important. You remember when I was five, I, I made a goal, right? Like, I'm going to get married to a fine man. Check. <laughs> I'm going to have me some babies with that fine man. And, oh, I'm going to be a mom. I'm going to be a wife. I had this vision, this I don't doubt for a second, divine vision of what God called me to do. Okay? And then I did all that other stuff before I got there. So my timeline when I was five was get married and have kids. As I grew older, I put, eight, I put dates and I put times on it. And... After God gave us our promise, well, first let's go to our promise. April of 2012, God gave me a promise. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. And then he gave me a whole chapter later on in the Bible that didn't make any sense. And I'm like, hmm. So, okay, cool. God, I'm going to pursue you. I'm going to delight in you. And I'm going to enlarge my tent post. Now, I don't live in a tent. I live in a house. I live in a four-bedroom house. Since I moved in, I think I cried the first five times that everyone went to bed because I'm like, I have, a, I have a fourth bedroom. And for a while, 
My eyes were right there on the direction that I had picked and forgetting about the character that God wanted to refine, and they were just on the thing that I wanted, and they were just on the timeline that I wanted. And so I did the only thing a good wife who can't bear any more children does. And I am now just done. Like the doctors looked at us and they were like, you're done. And so we're done. There is no more. People say it to us all the time. So I now release you of saying it. We are not going to have any more children physically. Not happening. I would love to. I will rub your belly when you're pregnant. I'm sorry about that. I, I did the only thing that a woman who can't have children does to her husband. Hey, baby, you want to get a puppy? They're cute. They're small. They're fun. It'll give me something to do when the kids are at school. We could foster kids. We could even adopt kids. Want to do it? And he looked at me like I was crazy. He's like, woman, no. Woman, no. And so all these years passed. Sorry, it's what he said, Right? Can I get an amen? No? Okay. And I, that did not stop me from pursuing it, though, because I told you I'm a bowl in a china shop. And so I just ran right around my husband like he wasn't anything that mattered because the only thing that mattered was my direction and my path and my ideas while he's off earning a living so I can have all the things that I want. I'm treating my husband like the china shop. Because I just want more kids. Like, I need more kids. It's not his fault that I can't have more kids. It's my fault. But I don't want to see that. I just want, to, I just want more kids. And so, in the refining of my character through that season, God gives me someone who just literally walks out unconditional love. And I don't know how the china never got broken. And I'm not saying I never did. Not actually leave a crack that I have to trust God to fill. But he pursued me anyway. In my brokenness, he pursued me anyway, always showing me what God's unconditional love looked like. And so thank you for that. Um, So April 2012, I get my promise. And for the rest of time, oh, so then God gives me my promise. I get my promise. I get Nora, but it's never enough, right? It's never enough. However, shake off all the ugly, and that promise is still the promise God gave me. And the promise that he answered is the promise I prayed. The promise that he gave me is not the one that he had answered. It's the one that never made sense. And so here we are. In, in August of, I'm skipping so many important details, so ask me later if you want. August of 2018, I have been talking to him for quite a while. Like, you know, look at this really cute adoption that happened. Like, we could adopt. We have a fourth bedroom. Like, we, I mean, there's, we could do it. And he's like, yeah, babe, like, he, he would have his reasons, like his God reasons why it wasn't right for him at the time. And so then we would have a couple more conversations where I'd, I'd send him, I really like to send him videos or really cute pictures. Yeah, I was getting my point across. And um, in August of 2018, God gave me a little bit of light, not at my feet. He left me in my selfish darkness to refine my character. He didn't pull me out of it. He left me there because I was unwilling to pursue that with him the right way. And so he gives me light really far away. We'll talk about this in a year. I'm like, wait, what? And so we looked at foster care online and we said, we'll talk about it in a year. And so 
I waited so well for about three months <laughs> before I started in again, right, babe? Like, I mean, but babe, look at this organization. And then there's this, and oh, look, at another kid is missing in Jacksonville. All the parents, you know, like, it just never stopped. It never stopped. I was my own broken, record, uh, broken record. I was hearing myself. And, and God was being faithful. And so we went to a conference in, fast forward all the way now to April 2019. Hopefully y'all are tracking with me. And we go to a conference and we're standing in the very last session of the day. And the worship was on point. Everything was great. Um, I had taken a lot of really great notes. I had felt a lot of great conviction. And I knew what God was speaking to me. And then they sang, it is well with my soul. And so doing the one thing that I love to do, I started to sing, but the words wouldn't come out because it wasn't well with my soul. Because if it was well with my soul, I would have released it. If it was well with my soul, my five-year-old little girl would be perfectly content with what God had given her until he gave her more. So I grabbed my husband's hand. And I don't sing a song. Instead, I pray a prayer. I pray a prayer of confession. And I'm like, God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry that I keep taking things out of your hands because I, I know you give me all the God desires that I want. If it lines up with you, you've given it to me. I've seen it. I've seen healing and I've seen growth and I've seen miracles. And so I'm sorry. I release it. I'm not going to bring it up again. Done. I'm just done with this. I want to be happy. I want to be able to stand in the presence of our almighty God and say, it is well with my soul. And so the next day, now you guys tracking with me, right? April, 2012, August, 2019 and April, 2018 and April, 2019. That is not a short amount of time. That, if you're wondering, is seven years. Seven years I waited for God's promise. And on the way home, my husband reaches over and he grabs my hand and he says, go ahead and set up that foster appointment. Y'all, have you ever watched anyone ugly cry? <laughs> have you ever? Like, I had my sunglasses on and he was driving, so only God saw it. Remember when I talked about waiting for it? Remember when I talked about not writing it down? Remember when I talked about just sitting on it? Like, everything... God didn't even make me walk through that again because he made me walk through it already. He, he literally just began to answer the promise at the moment of me relinquishing control. And the, the divine vision that he had cast for my life as a five-year-old little girl is one day away from a home study. I'm two days away from graduating foster class with, with, my, with my man. I'm four to six weeks away from being a licensing foster care mama. And God's not going to give me one. And God's not going to give me two. And God's not going to give me three. He's given me all of them. And guess what, guys? It's not about me. But the thing is, is with divine vision is we pursue it and we pursue it and pursue it and we want it. And we can't have it until we're willing to release it. Because guess what? I'm not prepared to handle the brokenness. I'm going to step in it. I'm going to take that flashlight of God's word and I'm going to shine it. I'm going to shine it right on our feet every day. Because I'm not prepared to walk in the distress that we're called to in James. 127 says, to walk in the distress of the orphans and the widows. 
I'm not 100% equipped right now to do it, but I'm not afraid of what it's going to take to get there. And I'm not afraid of unconditional love, and I'm so blessed that every Sunday that there is a child in my home, guess where I get to bring them? This is authentic community. This is the beginning of the vision that I had as a child. This surpasses it. This surpasses me raising a baby. This surpasses me getting married and having children. This is God's promise to me of enlarging my tent post because I can't do this alone. You can't do this alone. I don't know. I don't know what you're walking through. I know that I've kept you longer than most people who speak keep you. And I'm done. Divine vision is not a destination. You're not going to arrive. It's a call to action. It's a call to get up and move. It's a call to be honest with yourself in the midst of your darkness. I mean, honest to the point you're willing to change. Not honest to the point you're just going to, like, fake it for a day. Because what we know about faking, we see every morning with Brian. He straight holds onto the walls as he makes it from his doorway, two feet, to his bathroom, to put his contacts in his eyes. He doesn't do this at noon, y'all. You know what's coming. He does it in the morning. He does it before he exchanges conversation with anybody. His view of the world is solely reliant on his contacts, what he sees. But what would happen if every morning we got up? I'm not saying you need to spend an hour there. I don't know your schedule. I'm not saying it has to be in the morning. I'm not telling you when to do it. I bet you if you talk to God about it, he'll tell you. But if every morning you woke up and this is where you went, if this is what began to define the direction of the life that you chose, and you realize it's not yours after all, our lives would look so different. I can't imagine the path I'm getting ready to step into. But I also can't wait to see the healing and the miracles that God shakes in it. So I want to do something a little different this week. Um, With Pastor Kyle's permission, often, and we will give you an opportunity to pray at the crosses. And for a couple days, I sat at my house and I typed out a lot of prayers. I was like, we're going to have a declaration prayer because it felt like a really good idea. And every time I typed the words, I looked at him and I'm like, those are my words. So guys, I don't have words for you, but this is what I need. This is what I need. I need, and this is what you need. I'm going to ask everyone to stand. I'm going to pray over you. We're going to trust the Lord with what comes out of my mouth. I want you to pray over you. You know the whispers in the dark. You know the shouts from our Savior. You can't hide. There's no point in doing it. So, Heavenly Father, Lord, we find us today in your presence, just stripped down of everything that we know to be true and realizing that your vision, your divine vision is something that we can't manufacture. It's not something we can put words on. It's not something we can make up. 
Lord, thank you for exposing truth to my heart. Thank you for refining my character. And thank you for every battle that I'm going to walk through in the future, Lord, where I get a chance to learn about who you are. Thank you for being a church. We're giving us a space where we can come together as a church and, and worshiping your presence and find healing in your name. Lord, today I declare over these people, in the place of worry, complete peace. Like peace that passes understanding type of peace. Lord, I declare in place of sorrow that they find pure joy. It's not defined by the world around them, but it is directly defined by who you say they are in your presence. Lord, let us constantly pursue your unconditional love. Let us always look at the world through a lens where we see you. And Lord, when we see a homeless person, show us the broken man or woman behind what we see. Give us the strength to love what looks unlovable. And Lord, when I, when I see a drunk, Lord, I want to see what's underneath of it. I don't, I'm tired of seeing physical things. I'm tired of not being moved by the brokenness around me. Lord, give me eyes to see perspe your perspective. And so I move and I move with you. Lord, when I see broken families, and when I see broken children, remind me that without the grace of God, that could be me. Lord, let us walk in your unconditional love from this day forward. In your name we pray. Amen. There will be people at the crosses as we sing. If you guys would like to come forward and pray.